I'll be honest with you. Because every now and then I'm honest with you. I didn't have a clue what the heck I was talking about today for a while. Usually it's a little bit more together and a little bit more, you know, like at least a couple of days ahead. And uh, it's been a little bit different this time, so um, you're going to have to bear with me um, as we kind of get through this word. We're kind of continuing on in this whole roots concept. We've, we've been talking about roots for, I don't know, a month and a half, maybe even two months. I don't know. I told you I had no clue how long this whole roots thing was going to last. And so there's the slide again. Roots. <laughs> so we're talking about our roots. We're talking about the whole idea is that we as Christians, we need to get stronger roots. Too often what we have done is we have been like these shallow trees that I've told you about. And I see these trees and they get blown over in a storm and the roots are like that deep. And the reality is, is that we as Christians, we need to get some deep, deep roots about ourselves. We got to stop kind of doing this surface Christianity thing, just kind of on the surface, hey, I know who Jesus is, I got this special ticket from heaven, it's super cool, I'm not going to show it to you though, because I keep it in my back pocket, I don't want you to know that, right? This, is, this has got to change for us, this, is, this means pushing ourselves, right? So we've been talking about roots, we've been talking about the basics of Christianity, and what it means, and really what we should be living, and what we should be walking out. So tonight I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Before we do, how many of you grew up hearing maybe a mother or someone say something like this? Um, I'm going to talk to your father about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or like, you know, wait till your father gets home. <laughs> or I'm going to call your father at work. Bethany will sometimes call me at work. And literally, when I answer, so because she homeschools, I have to play father and principal, which is, there's a lot of power in that. Like, I'm like, whoo, you know, a little bit of a power trip when she calls me. And she's like, Nakota needs to talk to the principal. And I was like, oh, yeah. Let me get my oak desk out. Um, <laughs> and so she literally, anything could be happening at work. Things could be absolutely crazy. And I answer the phone. I'm like, yeah, babe. And she's like, Nakota needs to talk to the principal. And I'm like, okay, so I know, I'm like, I got to get on it. And I can hear Nakota in the crying in the background. And usually it's just because she's frustrated because she can't figure something out and she doesn't know how to do it. And uh, as much as that frustrates Beth, she's just like her mom in that area, right? And so, <laughs> so we're all used to hearing it. Bethany definitely uses that with the kids. Wait till you get home. And so what's funny about my kids is they know. Right, they know that mama's gonna either talk to daddy or mama's already talked to daddy. And I came home just a couple of nights ago, and coming home, walking in my door is literally one of my most favorite parts of the entire day. Okay, I walk in, and ev all four of our kids, unless Harvest is strapped into a high chair, um, all four of our kids literally come running at the door squealing. Um, the squealing could maybe be notched down just a touch. Uh, <laughs> come running, right? Squeak, right? Squeezing me, hugging me, you know. It just, it's the best, it's the best part of my day. Judah, when he comes up to me just the other day, he squeezes me and then he looks up to me and he says, Mommy wants you to talk to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> what has happened here, right? 
So he, he immediately is like, okay, what, what's going on? Um, and so, you know, I, I have to be like, hey, what, what happened? Oh, he's not eating this. Oh, that's easy, you know, uh, or whatever it is, right? Um, so this, this whole concept of I'm going to tell your father, it works. Um, I mean, how many of you who have kids says it works, right? It's worked for us. I mean, it's worked for me. Yeah, it's worked <laughs> The kid's like, hey, Chris, like, hey, it works for me, man. You tell me you're going to tell dad. I'm like, oh, no. It works, right? Um, now, hopefully I don't see any hands on this. Who thinks that my children are absolutely terrified of me? Oh, come on. Seriously? <laughs> So, so here, here's the deal. My kids aren't terrified of me. Um, so why does I'm going to call your father have any weight at all if there's not this terrifying grip of fear on them? And so it's a different type of fear. It's the fear of the father. That's kind of what I called it, right? Fear of the father. Because they're not fearful of me. But they recognize that I have some level of authority, second only to Bethany, um, some level of authority, and they choose to honor that. That's what they've decided, right? As the children. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the fear of the Lord. Because in today's Christianity, most of what you will hear is that you shouldn't have any fear. You shouldn't have fear, and you shouldn't be afraid, and you shouldn't all, and that's not all necessarily bad things, okay? So don't get me wrong here. Um, but we don't talk enough about the fear of the Lord. We don't talk enough about what that really means, and what should happen in our life if we actually walk out living a life with the fear of the Lord. Now, my children, I'm thankful that they are honorable, good kids. I mean, they, they really are, and that's all Bethany, right? Um, but, but I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 33, because I want us to start digging into the concept of living in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? That's weird to say that I'm supposed to be scared of God, right? Like some people were like, what do you mean? And so we're going to, I'm going to try to do my best to explain a little bit of this whole fear concept and fear of the Father and fear of the Lord, okay? Psalm chapter 33, I'm going to read verses 8 and 9 real quick. It says this, let all the earth fear the Lord. Now, real quick, are you all part of the earth? Okay, anyone not a part of the earth? I was waiting for one of the girls to be like, right here, brother. <laughs> Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. We know, and I could go through, I, I literally have them all in here because I have no idea if I'm going to end up reading some of them or not. Countless, countless scriptures. Well, actually, you can't count them, sorry. Lots of scriptures about the fear of the Lord. And living in the fear of the Lord. And what happens when we choose to walk in the fear of the Lord. And so we see what we're supposed to do. And now it's time to apply it. It's a time for us to choose that we're going to walk and live in the fear of the Lord. So let me start by helping you understand something. Fear isn't always our enemy. See, a lot of people 
and I'll, I'll say I've been maybe even guilty of it at times, will have a conversation with you that fear is bad. Fear is a bad thing. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have any fear in your life. You should cast out all fear. You should, you should not have any fear at all. I don't necessarily believe that to be the, the truth because fear isn't always bad. You know, um, I, let's say I don't like roller coasters. I'm not gonna say I have a fear of roller coasters, but Bethany will tell you, I don't like roller coasters. She didn't just say that, did she? <laughs> I, roller coasters aren't my jam, okay? <laughs> I, I rode, Bethany grew up on roller coasters, right? Her dad worked on roller coasters all of her life, right? And so we have our um, after prom, it was our senior year, right? Yeah, senior year after prom, and they announced, they're all so excited, it's at Kings Island. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> And so we go to Kings Island, and uh, Bethany is like, I'm so excited you're going to ride a roller coaster, you know? Um, and Bethany was a cheerleader, so you guys understand. Like, she was probably holding pom-poms when she said that. Like, I'm so excited you're going to ride a roller coaster. And so I get, I, I'm thinking, you know, she's going to start me easy, right? Let me figure this thing out. And so she takes me and puts me straight on the beast, right? And so... I'm not a happy guy. <laughs> I get off of that thing and I'm begging her for mercy. Like, please don't make me ride another roller coaster in this entire place. Like, let's go to Snoopyville or whatever it's called. Like, I'll do those. Like, please don't make me ride another roller coaster. And she begs me. I mean, what am I gonna do, right? She's my girlfriend. I'm a senior in high school. Right, I gotta be cool. So she's begging me, and I'm like, I'm begging for mercy. And she's like, just one more. And I'm like, fine, one more, and that's it. Nothing. So I figured, you know, she'd take me something to kind of maybe step it down, get me comfortable. She puts me on what was called outer limits. It's, you're in a pole barn. It's black, and you're on a roller coaster. And literally, as we get, to, we wait in the line for like, I'm telling you, it had to be over an hour. I don't even know how long it was. And as we kept getting closer, she kept saying, just don't look at the roller coaster before we get up there. I'm like, what? So there's something in me that says don't ride roller coasters. Okay, there's something outside of me that says ride them. And she's right there. <laughs> but that fear that I have isn't a bad fear, right? That fear is telling me, hey, you idiot, don't go on this machine that you know nothing about, go in the pitch black and just let it spin you around forever and see what happens to you, right? That's not a horrible fear to have. It's like, it's like getting to an edge of a cliff and having a fear of falling off. That's not a bad fear, right? That is, it's a protection mechanism, right? Now this isn't a cliff, but you get, right? You get the idea, right? Like if, if this was a cliff, there is something in us that says, whoa, don't do that. Now there's some of us that are like, whoa, you know? And those people we need to pray for, okay? <laughs> it's just, I'm just saying. We need to pray for those people. Fear, fear can be used to make good decisions. Growing up, I studied for nothing. I didn't study for, I never studied for tests. Beth studied for every test, right? Um, Beth would study for an eye exam. Like, I mean, like she, like, studied for everything. And, and that's, not, that's not bad, but part of why she studied so much is because she didn't want to get a bad grade, right? Now, I'm not gonna say she was fearful of a bad grade, but there's an element of fear that plays into that, like, I don't want to get a bad grade. 
I was like, I just want to take this. Just get it over with, whatever. If I pass, I pass. If I don't, whatever. I passed. I did. Not as good as Bethany did, but but it's not it's not bad, right? Fear can be used to protect yourself. I, I read this story of this lady. Her and her husband were hiking, and uh, they came up to um, they just they kind of like came up over this hill. They were hiking. I can't remember where it was. Um, I'm not that good at details, but um, she comes up over the hill, and right when they get over the hill, there is a mama bear and her cub right there. Okay. She immediately started walking backwards quickly, um, and they grabbed their pistols just in case, and the mama bear started to charge at them, but then realized that she forgot the cub, and she quickly turned around to go back to the cub. Thank God, right? <laughs> and what's interesting is their fear caused them to start stepping away. Now, a lot of times in church, we want to tell you that that fear, that any type of fear is practically bad and that it's, it's, not, um, it's not okay to have a moment of fear. Fear is, God put fear into us to help protect us to a point, right? And so her walking away, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't think she should have necessarily been like, no, in Jesus' name, get out of there. I'm walking this way, you know? I don't think that that's necessarily what, what she should have done. So we have to understand that fear isn't always our enemy first, okay? So let's just kind of break down this whole concept of fear is bad, and if I'm not, you know, bold walking through a bear, um, I'm not living a holy life, okay? So let's just fix that, right? Um, Proverbs 14, 26 in the, in the English Standard Version says this, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. One has strong confidence in the fear of the Lord. Where we get in trouble, guys, is sometimes our confidence is it from our fear of the Lord, but in our faith in ourselves? See, sometimes we want to step into situations and we want to say, hey, nothing can touch me because I'm me and I got this good thing going for me and whatever, right? But the reality is, is that we need to be walking in the fear of the Lord. So we have to understand this. Fear is not always your enemy. And so we need to understand how to channel this fear of the Lord, because we start by recognizing that fear isn't necessarily your enemy in everything that you go into, okay? Fearing the Lord brings freedom. That's what happens when you begin to fear the Lord. I'm going to be honest with you. When I accepted Jesus, when I came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, my decision wasn't necessarily birthed out of love. It wasn't. I didn't one day, listen, I was nine years old when I accepted Jesus Christ, okay? I didn't, at nine years old, all of a sudden fall head over heels for Jesus. It didn't work that way, right? What I recognized was a fear that was in me that said, I don't want to die and go to hell. Now, that is what created the opportunity for me to fall in love with Jesus, See, we, I'm not necessarily saying in that that fear tactics are the way that God has designed for us to fill heaven, right? That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm afraid that we have, we have replaced the reality of fire and brimstone with this love, rainbows, and unicorns to make everyone feel good about themselves. But when we do that, guys, we, we completely lose the fear of the Lord. What we do is we allow ourselves to say, it's okay to not be afraid. 
It's okay because guess what? I got Jesus. I can do whatever I want. That's not, that's, let me tell you right now, that's not what this says. And we have, we have as a body, okay, we have allowed that to creep in. So we have, we have so widely publicized it. We have lifted up people on pedestals who say it and do it, but then we don't capture the fear of the Lord as a result. Let me tell you something. It is, I came to Jesus escaping hell. That's how I came to Jesus. My fear of the Lord led me to become obedient. You know, there's, there's this conversation um, that happens, right, when at conversion, there are some people who say, hey, when I accepted the Lord, everything immediately changed and everything was completely different. Other people are like, hey, I came accepted the Lord and then I was right back in all my old ways, right? I just gave it. And the question sometimes becomes, are we recognizing who God really is? See, because sometimes we capture the idea of, wait, there's someone who loves me. That sounds nice. But we, we mistake him for just someone who loves us and not someone who deserves to be honored. Right. Someone who needs to be revered. Yeah. Let me tell you, when we, when we mess up the vision of just God the hugger, and God is a hugger. Don't, don't get me wrong when I say this, okay? I, I, God is a hugger. But God is, God is God, guys. He is not this person to belittle in terms of who he is and his commandments for us. See, God loves us, but we cannot forsake his commandments and f stop fearing the Lord. See, fearing the Lord, what it does is it shifts your future. It shifts your future. I want to ask you to turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Because when we capture the fear of the Lord, what it will do is it will change literally everything that we do. Now, if we capture only the love of Christ, which the love of Christ is important, but if we capture only the love of Christ and not the fear of the Lord, sometimes it doesn't motivate you to change at all. Sometimes you continue to do things the way that you've always done them because you know that Jesus loves me at the end of the day, right? But let me, let me read to you what Romans 3, verses 10 through 18 says. It says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Well, let me just stop here just for a second. This dude is like laying it out, right? I was reading this, I was like, man. Like if someone came up to me and started spewing this stuff at me, I'd be like, whoa, you know? The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace, they do not know. But listen to this, what verse 18 says. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, when I, when I read that, I believe that verse 18 anchors this entire passage. When I read that, he is explaining, this writer is explaining everything that this people has done, right? Right? 
And I believe that verse 18 is the why. I believe that the verse 18, when I said, he, he, you know, he says, hey, listen, they've turned away. Um, they, no one does any good. Uh, the throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. They say all these things. And after all of it, it says, period. And then it says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. See, I believe that fearing the Lord shifts your future. Because when we look at this scripture, if I fear the Lord, am I not going to seek God? If I fear the Lord... Am I going to do no good? If I fear the Lord, is my tongue going to practice deceit? No. See, all of these things take place when we choose not to fear the Lord. We choose to make a decision that says he is, you know, this, he's this much of a God, right? Verse by verse, what we see is that if we fear the Lord, every decision, every word that is spoken, every place that we go, every motive... It's completely impacted when you fear the Lord. It is. It will guide you in so many prosperous, good ways when you fear the Lord. And I, as I was thinking through this, I was thinking of different leaders in the faith. I'm not going to name any names. But I, I began thinking of words that we use to describe these people. Um, different Pastors, ministers, leaders, uh, TV evangelists, whatever it is, right? I hear words like charismatic, you know. Um, I hear things like, hey, they're a really strong leader. Uh, they're, they're a visionary. Um, or they know the word really well. Or I mean, th these aren't bad things to say. But I don't believe that we say God-fearing as much as we should. Because when it really comes down, to being an effective leader and being an effective Christian and what we're supposed to be, God-fearing should be at the beginning of that conversation. And I'm not saying that these people that I, you may be imagining in your brain aren't God-fearing people. But I want myself to walk a life out that says he feared the Lord. Because when we fear the Lord, guys, we don't belittle what he does. Is that, when I was a kid, okay, um, I was much different than my brother Brian here. Um, I love when I get the microphone and you don't have one right now. Um, kill all the other mics. Uh, <laughs> um, when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was please my parents. All I wanted to do was honor them in some way. <laughs> They're laughing at me. <laughs> what else, guys? <laughs> That, that, was, that was me, okay? My parents would leave, and I would immediately, what I would do when they would leave is I would try to do something so that when they got back, it would be done. Clean the barn, chop the wood, whatever it was. Like, that was just, it was the way I was wired. My wife, Bethany, is wired the exact same way, okay? Um, and we are praying that our kids get that. Um, pray with us, saints. Um, they, they do, they do that, actually. All I wanted to do was please them, right? Bethany was the exact same way. My desire to please them wasn't birthed out of an idea that I was terrified of my parents. That if I didn't win their affection, I wouldn't have it. That's not the way my life was. But I had this type of biblical fear that I'm talking about where it made me do the things that I did. And that's exactly how we need to be looking at God the Father, guys. God the Father isn't saying you need to be terrified, shaking in your boots, and I'm going to throw a lightning bolt 
at your back when you go to get in the car tomorrow. That's, that's, not, that's not who God is. But fearing the Lord will shift your future if we allow ourselves to fear the Lord. Too often what we do is we, we change our perception of who he is. Uh, there, was a, um, there was a prayer conference um, that uh, good friends of mine went to. And he told me, he called me afterwards. He said, man, you're, you're, your brain is about to explode. And I was like, okay, I should probably pull over, right? Um, he's like, you need, you need to hear what was spoken at this prayer conference because it just messed up my whole mind. I said, okay. He said, he went around and he asked us, what one word would you use to describe God? And he said, you know, it went, we were going all over the room, and most of you were hearing love, and you were hearing all of these different things that different people were saying, and, and what word they would describe. And it came all the way around, and the minister finally said, you guys aren't getting it. Because the number one thing that God is, is holy. We serve a holy God. And he wants us to be holy. When we, when, when we will actually subject ourselves to that theology, that God wants us to be holy, God doesn't want us to live in sin, God doesn't want us to live a life that is contrary to what his word says, God wants us to walk in the fear of the Lord. Let me, let me tell you some, some things. I'm going to read some really quick things here. Because what the fear of the Lord does is it changes you. The fear of the Lord will change you. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That means the fear of the Lord makes you teachable. Yeah. Makes you teachable. It makes you willing to hear a different perspective. It means that you're, you're open to actually learning what the Word says for you. Proverbs 8.13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance evil behavior, and perverse speech. The fear of the Lord makes you hate evil. It doesn't make you run to it. There are some people who will take the idea of something that they want and they will place it as if God told me to do it. That ain't right. <laughs> that ain't the way it works. I've, I've, I've spoken to... Um, let me rephrase this because um, I'm not going to tell that one. I know... <laughs> I know ministers who have said to me, they've had people literally come to me and say, God told me to leave my husband and go be with this guy instead, okay? When there was nothing wrong with their husband. Their husband hadn't done anything wrong. There wasn't no, you know, funny business or whatever, right? But it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 14, 26 says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. It makes you a safe place. Proverbs 14, 27 continues to say the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Proverbs 16, 6 says through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. It helps you to run and avoid this evil, not run to it. And it's very popular, Psalms 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. The fear of the Lord brings that. And the fear of the Lord changes your situation. When we decide 
to truly walk in the fear of the Lord, there are things that are in this word that we are able to take hold of, right? It says in here, I love this one, Psalm 25, 14. The Lord confides, listen to this, the Lord confides in those who fear him. Think about that. The God of the universe confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. See, your relationship is changed with God when you have the fear of the Lord. Because he recognizes that fear. You know, we talk about all these different people in the word and where they've messed up and where they failed and where they let God down. But the reason why God can look at someone like David and know that David's heart was after the Lord was because David still had the fear of the Lord in him. David didn't say, it's okay, God loves me. He didn't say that. He didn't walk that out. He was repentant. It says in Luke 150, his mercy extends to those who fear him. You receive mercy when you fear the Lord. It says, it says in Psalms 145, 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. Walking in the fear of the Lord changes your very situation. We have to recognize and stop belittling God, guys. We have got to stop saying, it's okay, he forgives me. He does forgive you. He has such rich grace and mercy for every single one of us, and it is unbelievable, that grace and mercy. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that he doesn't have that, but what I'm trying to say is that if we walk in the fear of the Lord, we won't keep walking back to it, guys. We don't keep walking back to that thing. We don't keep dragging ourselves back to it. And it's because we have to recognize that he is a God that deserves reverence. Yeah. We cannot live a Christian life and really walk this thing out if we don't give him reverence. Reverence not just in this house, guys. Not reverence, you know. Listen, a lot of churches might want you to say, hey, um, if you're going to be reverent to the Lord, um, you should have been wearing a suit today. And a dress. Now, I'm really glad that Chris isn't wearing a dress today. But there are people that will say that. Now, you're going to see me. I'm in my flannel, right? Um, I'm more concerned about reverence here than here. Right? I mean, and the, and the problem is, is that there are churches that Beth and I have been to that we have said one thing that we did feel about that place is they, they had reverence in their church. What I want to be said of this place is that we have reverence everywhere we go, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't want people to say, man, that's, you know, that church is, it's just super, super, um, I was going to say reverent, but it was going to sound like I was saying relevant, um, but I don't know, I just, <laughs> I just messed that up, sorry guys. Um, reverent, I don't want them to just see us as reverent in here. I don't want them to come in and see us being one way in here and loving each other. And, you know, because we say we're all about relationships and we're big about that. And then we walk out and we're afraid to talk to the person right next to us. And we don't we don't want to reach out to the people that we already know that need help. That that if they had walked in the fear of the Lord, it could change some of these situations for them. Listen, we should feel some ownership when we get into this world. Because this word doesn't say to you, hey, Jesus came and did it all, so you can do nothing. That's not why he came and sacrificed what he did, guys. 
He came so that we could take this, we could apply it, and we could walk it out every single place that we go. Whether you were at work, whether you are in the car on the way to work for some of you, right? <laughs> whether you are at home, whether you are at school, whether, no matter where you are, when we walk in the fear of the Lord, it will change the steps that we take. And I don't want them to see you in here and say, wow, and then see you out here and go, whoa. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's, that's not this whole real church thing. Now, I would rather you, to be quite honest with you, I would rather you be, whoa, in here and whoa, out there. That works, right? <laughs> Does that work? No. Here's why. Because if you feel that you have to create a different personality to be in this house, then we're messing up, guys. Because you should be able to come into this place and you ought to be your same jacked up self that you are out of here. That's just, that's, that's just the way I feel. Because if we don't do that in here, guess what? Your jacked up self ain't, you're not gonna change. You're gonna just, you're gonna, you're gonna put on the show while you're here in front of everyone else, and then you're gonna walk out here and you're gonna be someone else. And you're never going to experience what God has intended for you. You have to be vulnerable in here, right? We have to be willing to actually walk out who we are now so that we can open up to what God wants to do in us. Because if we aren't willing to let down some guards, guys, listen, I can tell you one thing that I'm not interested in doing, and that's playing church. Right. I don't yeah. care about playing church. Amen. Okay. I know, and I've told you guys before, that from the church growth tracks, there are a hundred different things that we could do to fill this place. There's just hundred different things that we could do, events that we could hold to get everyone out here on the grounds. I'm telling you right now, that's not what God called us to do. Okay? There are churches that are doing an amazing job of ministering to the community. And honestly, what you'll probably hear more than anything is us pointing you to go be a part of their event. Because it's cool. It's good. It's great what they're doing. But what God has called us to do is to create an environment where people are able to just be vulnerable. Where they can be real about their struggles, about their issues. And the way you encounter that is when you decide to walk and the fear of the Lord. He's not a God that doesn't deserve to be revered, guys. He is. He is a loving God, a merciful God, and he is a great God. But let me tell you, he is still God. That's right. And we have to be able to recognize that and say, you know what? The way I'm doing it, I know it's not right. I know it's not what God has for me. I know these aren't the steps I'm supposed to be taking. I know these aren't the places I'm supposed to do. Hopefully, none of you guys have open throats that are like graves, right? <laughs> that was pretty bad. <laughs> but we got to walk this out. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would. Tiff, if you come. What we have to decide to do, every single one of us individually, okay? This isn't a... This isn't a, a corporate decision. This isn't a church decision that, hey, we're, you know, we're all going to do this. Because reality is, guys, this is between you and God. Yeah. It's not between you and me. It's not between you and the church. It's between you and God, the whole idea of living in the fear of the Lord. So the question is, are you walking in the fear of the Lord? Deuteronomy 10, 12 says this. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? but to fear the Lord your God. To walk in obedience 
to him, to love him, to serve the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. When I read that, I, I was swapping out Israel for Tom, right? I want, you to, I want you to read that, and I want you to think about that with your name in it. And when I look at the structure of that scripture, the first thing that he asks of us is to fear the Lord your God. And I believe the reason it's structured in that way is because when we fear the Lord your God, guess what's going to happen? We're going to walk in obedience. <laughs> right? I, I walk in obedience to my, to my parents because... I honor them. I revere them, right? So I walk in obedience. I love, it, it says to love him. It doesn't say God asks of you to love him first. It says fear the Lord. I think there's significance in that, guys. And I think that we have to be willing to finally say, I need to walk in the fear of the Lord. I need to stop belittling my sin and belittling what I've excused to say that it's okay, that's all I do. I'm pretty good outside of that. Maybe I don't drink, maybe I don't do this, maybe I don't go to this place, maybe I don't, maybe I'm not mean, or maybe, here, here's a real crazy one, or maybe I give really good to the church, and so, so I'm good. No, no. We have to walk in the fear of the Lord, guys. We have to be willing to do that. Actually see him as the Lord, and not just as this, Hugger. I said he's a hugger. I'm not saying he's not a hugger, guys. Don't get all down on me because he's not because he's a hugger, but but we need to respect the Lord. And that means we need to live in his commandments. That's the fear of the Lord. And if our root base is going to continue to grow, it's going to be because we're walking in the fear of the Lord. And I'm telling you. All these things, all these challenges, all these, all these situations you run into. Let me tell you, if you fear the Lord and you fear who he is, you know, the word tells us to not fear the person who can kill you. Literally tells you, don't be fearful of the person that can kill you. You should fear the person who can kill your body and your soul. Guess what? That's God. <laughs> right? We need to recognize who he is. We need to be willing to walk in the fear of the Lord. Let's pray.